Hello there, I'm JP. Hello there, and I'm WH. And we're here with Hello There, the Obi-Wan Kenobi podcast that you have been waiting for. And how do we find you, WH? How are you this week, man? Uh, pretty good. A little little tired because like on, on Thursday, I did double double mm. duty. I recorded two episodes back to back, one with John Pollock of the Long and Winding Road Road, which will come out uh, um, as of this recording of this, like probably sometime next week, weekend. Uh, so please uh, check post wrestling for that. And then right after that, at midnight, I record an episode of MCU later, the return of MCU later featuring uh, uh, Kamala Khan's uh, as Miss Marvel. We did episode one of that. Me and uh, proud Papa to be waking. Yes. So big news and big congratulations. Yes, to for as sure. Well. Yeah. I was told in person months ago though, like, cause I am part of the, elite club as you are would say, so but it's the elite like, club that actually just lives in toronto and, and can meet him face to face i was gonna say you know? it's very toronto heavy this club isn't it? it is it is it's very toronto but I, I do think so he's probably told people who don't live in toronto like before he made the announcement on uh talk volume five with 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 uh, john so yeah but yeah so that i did that and just waking up this morning and looking at twitter and just the the uh, the the uh, Michigas, as they say, uh, about uh, pr- you know New Japan for wrestling. I just oh. laughing just because I was like, I just had so many hot takes. I thought I had to get them all off my chest uh, on the Twitter. My God, you're on a barrage of them today. You really <laughs> were. You're you're on on fire with them, mate. Well, I'm more on fire with uh, my hot takes than New Japan is with their booking. I will say that. You know, so I think pretty much most of Japan, excluding Dragon Gate and Stardom. Yeah, pretty... and and all Japan. We were and talking all about Japan at the moment. I, I think all Japan is a fun promotion. That's all I want. I I I don't need sellout crowds in like big arenas or anything like that. I just want a fun product that has some logical booking to it, and that's it. I, I you know, you can have all these factions and idiots dressed in black and white like swearing saying fuck Mm. in their promos because they're too lazy to come up with anything creative in their promos and yelling a lot of yelling in in new japan you know it's like why don't you speak more softly i like the you know i like the jake roberts philosophy about uh promos If, if you speak softly people have to lean and pay more attention to you right oh yeah like yeah. Jay White yells all the time. I just tune out. I'm like, you're boring. Bye. Well, if you're walking down this, you're going to listen to the person who kind of is softly spoken in that way. The person who shouts, you don't want to be anywhere near. Yeah. That's how I often feel about the ultimate warrior. That's why I was just like, I couldn't understand why people liked him because he just came across as a mentalist. And uh, spoiler alert, he was. Well, old Jim, J- Jimmy, JP, you know, Jay White is my ultimate warrior then. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh great stuff well moving on from wrestling you were talking about logical booking we're going to get into uh part four of obi-wan kenobi this week and we're going to see whether or not there's logical booking in there for you or mm-hmm. are, are there going to be some things that we might have some issues with mm-hmm. this week mm-hmm. there might be a couple of things here and there that i was like that doesn't make any sense <laughs> you know <laughs> well it was you know following on from last week very vader heavy um uh episode we had on here the sort of uh the fallout from that where uh reaver 
the uh, one of the Inquisitors had um, caught Leia and had, uh, had basically taken her. And we started off this episode with um, sort of Tala, you know, the outcome of Obi-Wan being dragged out of the fire at the end of last week, sort of passing in and out of the ship as Tala um, takes her away. Is it to Jabim? Is that right? Jabim. They took her Jabim. to, to Jabim to meet uh, members of the path. Yes. Which will be, I, I can see, you know, that's so much going on with that at the moment. But yeah, ends up in a back to tank um, to heal from the burns on there. But it's uh, nicely in the cut with another lad who enjoys a back to tank bath. Um, I say enjoys in uh, inverted quotes because not at all. He's got half an arm. So it's intercut with him and Vader. During this as well, um, Obi-Wan is having flashbacks um, to the battle he's just had with Vader in there as well at the same time. And, you know, it's clear that both of them are suffering, you know, that there's obviously a physical suffering that they're going through, but there's also the, the mental suffering in there. And this causes him to sort of force his way out early on here um, where he get, wants to ask about Leia. Um, what did you think of this sort of well, just early opening sequence? My, my first question is what the fuck is in Bacta that makes everyone who's in it hallucinate? Like, think about Boba Fett. Every time he was in that fucking back to tank, he was like having flashbacks. So there must be some really good hallucinogenic drugs in Bacta, along with the healing properties. Maybe it's also like, well, you're going to experience some of your best memories and worst memories all at once while you're in Cheeky here. bit of melange. melange yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe. I mean, they, I mean, Lucas did take the whole idea of spice from, from Frank Herbert's Dune. But um, yeah, it was okay. I mean, yeah, like I think we need these kinds of like sequences maybe to like remind audience. Oh, this is what happened last week. Instead of just like you know the thing we have usually at the beginning of each episode before this, you know, previously on Kenobi, and then mm. just show what happened. But apparently, we need to show it again <laughs> in this form. But I, 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 it is kind of to draw the parallel that like you know Obi Wan was burned by Vader, very much you know in parallel to what happened to to Anakin on uh, Mustafar in Revenge of the Sith. So, and then intercutting that with, with, with Vader being in the, in the back to tank was like, you know, I, I can see what the point was. Um, with that mm. being said, we were talking off air, but like uh, I read somewhere that Kenobi, Kenobi's episodes are designed very much to parallel the episode number. It's, 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 it represents in the Skywalker cycle. So episode one of Kenobi has a lot of parallels to what happened to things that happen in uh, the Phantom Menace. Episode two has a lot of parallels to what happens or settings to um, Attack of the Clones. And episode three was very similar to events that happened in uh, Revenge of the Sith. And this episode, episode four of Kenobi that we're going to talk about today, has a lot of similarities to A New Hope. In particular, Ooh, yes. the the rescue of Leia. Yes. Yeah. There's a lots of not so subtle parallels, but that seems absolutely spot on in mm. terms of seeing that, which is you suggested then the next episode will be sort of a parallel to um uh Empire Strikes Back, which should mean it's the best one of all of yeah, them. Hopefully. Sorry. Hopefully it just means Obi-Wan goes to meet Yoda on Dagobah and do some training. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That would be that would be all kind of all that would be all kinds of awesome on there as well. And you know, when Obi Wan uh, he gets out of the back to tank a bit early when he's asking for Leia, 
he manages to meet uh, Roken, who's played by O'Shea Jackson Jr., who we we'd gotten wrong. We thought he'd oh, end up yeah. playing Quinlan Voss, and and here he is. He's playing an engineer and smuggler who um, helps the path in getting Jedi's and Force sensitive people to safety. So um, he, he alludes that his wife was Force sensitive, yes, and or maybe a Jedi. So that's why his his motivation for helping, um, you know, uh, be part of the path. But you know, I was laughing so hard when it's like, oh, there's that doesn't look like Quinlan Voss, and then he's like, I'm broken, and I'm just like laughing. I'm like, oh my god, this poor guy. You know, Ice Cube Junior here. Can you imagine like all the texts and messages he must have got personally? Dude, are you gonna be Quinlan Voss? Because it was all over the internet. You and me, plus tons of everyone yeah. else, were, were just like saying, hey, it must be O'Shea Jackson Jr. He must be playing Quinlan Voss. So he must have got all these messages. Dude, you're going to be Voss? You're going to be a fucking Jedi, dude? And then it's like, he can't probably say anything, you know, because he's under contract no. not to. And then then it comes out, and they're all like, dude, who the fuck is broken? This is fucking <laughs> lame. Like, listen, if you're an actor, you don't want to be broken. You want to be Quinlan Voss if you have a chance, if you have the choice. Yeah, they they're not the greatest trio. Then Roken, Wade, and Sully um, on there straight away. Sully, a kind of very you know, generally quite lazy name. I feel to throw into any kind of film. It, it's it's you know, unless it is Sully Sullenberger, for example, in which case, fair enough. Um, but yeah, it was it was very weird kind of seeing him seeing him in this role. Apparently he's in an Apple TV series that's apparently very good. But like all Apple TV series, I'll never see it. Because <laughs> I I do you know anyone who speaks about Apple TV content? I don't. Outside no. that Ted Lasso thing, but because I'm no. a hardcore football fan, I have issues with that show. Maybe but, um, just uh the foundation Ted Lasso and maybe the foundation TV show were the only things I've ever heard people talk about. Like I'm trying to remember what 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 what's it? is does apple have that halo tv show based on the video game i think that might be hulu that might be hulu that. yeah hulu is halo you hope so really it works well it? Like again that, but... i i don't i don't have a subscription to hulu either you know if it so. was that good we would have heard about it by now someone yeah. would people would be talking there would be some general sense of like oh this is some sort of like classically missed opportunity but yeah i never heard anything about the halo series no i was never a big xbox game so there wasn't mm. never played a whole lot of halo on there um another these guys look like they've played halo they seem very scared you know roken wade and sully about um going on there because you know initially roken says he doesn't want to help him and but then you know change his mind because find out that leia knows about the path and that they could be revealed to the inquisitors um these three rebels don't want to go. Like they kind of mentioned as well about the fact that they're not soldiers. Um, so it's just going to be Tala and Obi Wan who still has an officer clearance, um, and they agree to go to is it Fortress In- uh, Inquisitorius? That's correct. Um, yes, the very. Uh, it looks fantastic as a piece of yeah. real estate. It'd be phenomenal. Um, probably a bit dull, but. Yes, that's where they, they decide they're going to go to. It's on an ocean planet. And while Tala's going in, Obi-Wan is going to go swim in there as well. Right. Um, where we do actually see a shark with arms, which isn't something that I could really unsee as well. I don't know. What do you feel about that? How do you feel about generally in terms of like the scene with the 
the rebels as well. The, they they don't seem like your typical rebels that you would see in other other um, TV shows or movies or anything like that. They're they're very much more like civilians rather than soldiers. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, I guess which, which I suppose it makes it kind of more realistic as well. Like not everyone's like super gung ho to you know engage the empire head on head head on you know head on i guess head on head and face to face they they're more like we're gonna do our bit to help people under the radar of the empire and we want to try to stay that way which is is fair enough mm-hmm. um the whole uh swimming into uh the fortress was uh, very reminiscent of the phantom so yeah, <laughs> the swimming technique uh, has not changed uh, since uh, he Naboo the... star mask, isn't it? As well? Yes, same same mask. I think it's uh, probably a Jedi artifact. Uh, so yeah, uh, this this fortress Inquisitorius is like from the video game Jedi Fallen Order, which I mm. which I've not played. So, but there's My a lot of played it and right. completed it. So they, there's a lot of elements from from that video game that come into here, and I'm trying to remember. In the timeline, I guess this is Fallen Order is before the Kenobi series. Mm. And if, I, I think that's the assumption I'm going to make. Um, and there's, yeah, but I now I'm wondering, like they say these video games are canon. I mean, but I don't think they they can't be. I need to ask my sons then in that case. they It's very... All of the characters, all of the major things about Fallen Order are all feel like they're entirely separate while there are some elements of connective tissue to the wider world. So I think they can always kind of do that. They can throw in the odd little piece here here and there. But it isn't it it feels like a game that's much more like got Star Wars elements to it, but is more about them trying to find basically get their game engine in place where they're actually kind of putting together kind of a good game and maybe turn that into a bit more of a franchise. So it's almost like they haven't gone, they didn't seem to go as far into the kind of canon as what you would expect. And it's a very different game from say a Battlefront. I don't know if you've played Battlefront or Battlefront 2, which is just basically a fun MOBA where you can be whatever character you want to be. Right. So you can be the the Emperor, for example. I, I can't stand first-person shooters. They give me a headache, so... I've never played Battlefront. Both of these are third person. Right? Are they? They're not. They're not as. Yeah, yeah. These. These are. These are third person. And and there's stuff about like in terms of some of the puzzles for Fallen. I, like I said, I never played it, but I end up sort of seeing it by proxy because my sons would be playing it, and they were going through it at a really quick pace. And for them, it was doing exactly what they kind of wanted, and they they seemed to enjoy it, and it had enough sort of challenge to it as well towards the end, but not really. It's 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 more about them kind of pulling out a solid game that will sell quite well, but at the same time, it's just sort of like a piece of incidental entertainment. Yeah. I mean, my favorite Star Wars game was The Force Unleashed 1 and 2, and Mm. like they're very fun to play, but if you try to accept that what happens in those games are are part of canon you will drive yourself insane and one of the, probably one of the best things that got expunged from star wars canon was the fact that you know uh, the character star killer created the rebel alliance like no that's not how it happened <laughs> i'm sorry no. and uh, it was a it was all it was all a plot concocted by darth vader to to distract the emperor while he made a power play for his throne i'm like so darth vader via his proxy and Starkiller created the Rebel Alliance. That's bullshit. That that just is like 
so stupid. It's like when I discovered in comics when like, you know, they said, oh, Hydra and S.H.I.E.L.D. were created by the same person. Fuck you. No, they were not. And I refuse to believe that that's true. That's just making up shit for shit's sake, really, isn't it? It is. Stage, and it's it? Done, yeah. it was it was done by a writer who I have a lot of respect for, Jonathan Hickman. But I'm just like, no, I do not accept that this happens. And if I was ever somehow granted the, the keys to, to writing Marvel stories and I could do whatever I want, that's there's a lot of things I would change. One, I would change that whole idea that S.H.I.E.L.D. and HYDRA were part of the same <laughs> base organization. No, 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 no. That's absolutely daft stuff to be doing that on there. Um, getting back to uh, to Kurt Kenobi, we see Reva in here, and um, you mentioned about parallels to uh, um, uh, to uh, a New Hope. Well, you have this here in terms of Leia being interrogated again, like she was um, in that, and you know it's all about her trying to find out about the path on there. However, there is you know also the fact that she that is able to resist Reaver's sort of force powers as well at this point, which is something there that's that's kind of noticeable. And you can tell with Reaver that there is an acknowledgement about this that she's not able to kind of get into the mind of you know a child something you'd imagine to be incredibly easy in there now obviously it's kind of intercut with that and obi-wan getting onto the base kind of sneaking around um very agent 47 i've put down here in, in my notes on here as he's and it's kind of like you mentioned different parallel very much him on the death star taking out unsuspecting guards using using the force to kind of distract them jedi mind, mind tricks you also have Tala at the same time having a kind of couple of slight run-ins at this stage where somebody questions her officer status and she has to kind of effectively bluff him as, as being the guy superior as well. And then also when she sat down at the desk and it's a case where she's um, trying to relay to Obi-Wan where he needs to go and then somebody comes in and that also happens in... Um, Star Wars A New Hope is we have a guard taken out on here. Parallels are plenty here, WH. Um, this whole Tala infiltrating the fortress and sitting at a control console and opening doors for everyone. That this is where like I have a huge problem with this episode because it makes no sense that I'm sorry, like the, the Empire, I know it's massive and sometimes massive organizations get crushed under the weight of their own bureaucracy and things like that. But this is ridiculous. Like that she could just do like open and she's not even stationed there. That's the thing that kills me is she's just because she's from like, she says she gets in because she says, I have information about, you know, the Jedi to give to the inquisitors. You let me in right now. And she gets in. Okay. That's one thing. But then she's sitting at a control console. No one's questioning. Hey, who's she? I didn't see her at the mess hall. For, yeah. for dinner time like you know like and she's just doing whatever she wants and she's talking and also she's talking like like if i'm if i'm like a supervisor in that room i'm like what the fuck is she doing like who is she and what is she doing here and it, it's it's ridiculous can i also say we'll get to it later but i'm just gonna say it now before before i forget the tie fighters stationed at, at fortress inquisitorius like we see them very clearly there's tie fighters mm-hmm. there like they're 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 in the hangar, like on the outside there. Why are why aren't they ever launched? 
Like, are you telling me this this base does not have radar or early early warning sensors to detect the aircraft like non Empire aircraft are coming in, and then they don't launch the Tie Fighters? That's ridiculous. <laughs> it's like, why it, are they there? <laughs> I I did think I thought okay, like you, any large bureau, any large kind of organization is going to have a messy bureaucracy, and things are going to be missed. I completely agree with you on that. There's a lot going on in this episode of this. Getting into a place called Fortress Inquisitorius seems like it should be something that's quite tricky or certainly like kind of avoided. Piece of piss. Get past the first door and then just run, like which is exactly the way that I might approach this. But yeah, there is there is a sense of it. And it's, it's there to kind of, you know, as easy kind of like plot devices and, and the like. But yeah, I can completely see what you mean. I mean, there's there's very much like a sense of like nobody's watching it because there's a guy sat right next to her mm. and she's talking. Now, maybe it'd be me. I'd be somewhat curious as to who are you? Who are you speaking to? Why are you whispering? Something suspect's going on. I'm getting the manager. Yeah. Like it, it, there's a whole series of questions there that, that do need to be answered that don't come up. And apparently the way the main character of, um, uh, Fallen Order, Jedi Fallen Order gets into mm-hmm. Fortress Inquisitorius is way better and makes much more sense. So apparently there's only one good idea of how to have a character break into this place and they already used it. So it's like, listen, no one like no one cares if you just rehash the, the fucking video game. Just rehash it. If that's a good idea of how to get him in, just use it again. Yeah. Some people might make a fucking video on YouTube about it. But I guarantee it, it would be way better than like kind of this clunky, clumsy way of writing how he, how Obi-Wan actually gets into the, the fortress and, and stuff. And in regards to the, the, the interrogation scene, I, I also got like vibes of, of the uh, Kylo Ren, Poe Dameron interrogation scene from mm. uh, The Force Awakens, where, you know, basically Kylo Ren's trying to use the, uses the force to torture uh Poe po Dameron and try to draw information out of his mind like Reva is kind of trying the same technique that Kylo Ren uses um but it, it, it like you said JP it, it does not work because unbeknownst to them she is actually quite strong in the force herself though it's it's all latent it's not it hasn't been awakened yet but you know if, if Vader sees her it's all over because he's probably gonna sense if she has force powers or not oh yes and while looking for Leia at this point, Obi-Wan, speaking about for people who are Force-sensitive, well, this is it's quite the scene, really. He manages to find basically what is a tomb filled with sort of dead Jedi and a youngling in there as well. Um, again, like there's not as many Easter eggs in this episode, partly because, you know, you don't have a Vader in there. Like, you know, there's only so much I think they're going to be able to do. But you do see uh, Terra Sanu, the old uh, Kozian Jedi master, you yeah. assume has been killed in, in Order 66. So Apparently we see Oppo Rancisis from the Phantom Menace. He was on the Jedi mm-hmm. Council. Uh, Coleman Kajak, who i not really sure who that is. And then there's a youngling who looks like the one that, uh, you know, who, who says to Anakin and at the beginning of Order 66, Master Skywalker, what's going on? And then he just ignites his lightsaber and he just murders all these kids. Yeah. And clearly picked up hit the corpse of this youngling on the way out and went, do you know what? 
I'm gonna I'm gonna basically like keep you as a fossil at this point because it's it's not made clear the sort of substance in that I was kind of doing some sort of like it's it, some sort of variant on carbonite, but it's um yeah it's got it's quite a I mean again quite a grim scene mm. for this as well. Um, I think the idea is that they're trying to harvest the midichlorians. Yeah, which is like parallel to what they elude what the 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 imperial remnant and the mandalorian want with grogu they mm. want because he's so powerful in the force and he probably has a massive midichlorian count like like yoda does that they're trying to and this is probably what leads to the creation of of snoke in the force awakens because we see in uh the rise of skywalker like you know all these deformed you know clone that looked like snoke so it's like oh they're all clones of the emperor experimenting probably likely with you know jedi midichlorian clone cells or some shit like that i don't know that's just my guess well mentioned it earlier on you mentioned about the the kind of the torture scene on here the torture device um this is what we see happen with leia um she's basically being you know, put in. It looks quite gruesome. It looks like it's going to go a bit on Shannon Delu for all you film fans there. Um, at that point, because he looks like he's going to be cutting her eyeballs open. But Tala um, causes a big distraction by trying to deliver uh, a report to Reva, who immediately, quite wisely, questions whether or not is she working for the Empire or is she working for the Path on there as well um and it's also quite interesting in here leia plays like kind of good little sort of mind uh like kind of messing with reaver as well by saying oh okay if i can trust you then we can call my dad yeah um to which then you know you can see the obvious frustrations leading to the point where she's going to be basically threatening to mutilate a child i don't think you can say it any more clearly than that it's pretty grim, like that the idea that she, she was going to actually do this to a kid. Like, I, I don't know how you have a redemption for her, like uh, Riva later on. If there's if that's what's in the cards, is like, listen, like it's well, one thing you put her. Series, yeah, yeah. Like again, like I, I don't. I'll wait till this show is over and mm -hmm. see if like that character can sustain one. I, I don't know. I do think there's some point like, you know, Lucasfilm has to kind of just pull back and say, we've got enough content. We we don't need to give everyone their own series. Um, yeah. It should be earned. Like, I think a character like Ahsoka is earned. Like, people mm. want to see that. And you can tell different stories than you can in The Mandalorian with that character. With Reva, again, I don't know what, what the premise of this character uh, or this potential new series would be. So, like, I'll reserve judgment. But on the surface, I just feel like... Maybe it's a little bit too much, but I, 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 again, I don't see how you can redeem a character who's willing to, to, to torture a child. Like it's one thing you mm. torture an adult, someone who's your enemy. That's one thing, but it's, it's another thing you, you're going to torture, obviously an innocent child just to get possibly some information you may or may, you may, you think she may or may not have. So that's, that's, that's pretty horrible. And, and yeah. again, hints of like her past, like that she, was probably a Jedi Padawan who got, you know, turned over to the dark side by being tortured and uh, tormented by, by Darth Vader probably. So mm. um, yeah, we'll see. Like I, again, I, I thought it was, I thought um, Leia was great in these scenes. And again, what's the name of the actress again? I always forget. 
She's so good. I shouldn't. I should remember her name. Vivian Lyra Blair. Yeah, Vivian. She's she's great. I am just so impressed with her. And 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 what I one thing I really like about um, this episode in general with Leia and Obi Wan is that you can see, like it adds resonance to like the whole hologram message we see her recording mm. into R two D two where she says, "General Kenobi, you're my only hope." You know, well, she she knows firsthand, like, you know, how good he is. She gets to see it. And so it, it also is is kind of maybe adds resonance to the fact that she names her son Ben. Yeah. You know, it's you. you At first, I thought, oh, it's, it's an honor of Ben Kenobi, who she didn't know personally, but like very important to her brother, Luke Skywalker. But no, it's because he is actually very like Ben is very important mm. to her because he he helped rescue her when she was 10 years old. So that's why she names her son, who eventually, unfortunately, turns bad and becomes Kylo Ren. But she, no she named him. No, she, she named him Ben because of this, you know, of this, uh, the, this adventure that she has with him. Yeah. And well, uh, one of the things, obviously, is, is she doesn't have to get tortured in, in all of this. She gets rescued by Obi-Wan, comes in. Um, gets into the stormtroopers, and you've kind of got this escape then with um with him and Tala as well. There's a really good scene where he's being, you know, they're managing to make their escape, and then he gets spotted by a droid. Um, at which point there's stormtrooper reinforcements. Um, long story short, he rebounds one of the um one of the hits of off their off their lasers and it goes into the um and i always think it's a bad idea if you're going to build a big base underwater to have glass windows just going to throw that out there like i mean i don't know what level of glazing you need but it seems like it's an accident waiting to happen um he's managing to hold it off as tala comes and helps take kind of layer away who has managed to herself prove herself to be used um you know uh run down the end while the other stormtroopers are locked off. Um, and as they're just about to get through the door, he manages to release it, sprint through the door, I might say, without getting soaked in the slightest, although it seems like a sludge that's coming through rather than, say, what we had, what was water. And, uh, yeah, all those stormtroopers that had run after him all drowned. Um, yeah, quite horrible. There's a, a great sequence with uh, where Obi-Wan's like got the lights out mm. and he's talking these stormtroopers like by um deactivating his lightsaber and then sneaking up on them and activating it and then killing them this is actually similar to the uh, cinematic trailer for uh force awakens 2 which is something that star killer does in that trailer which is like that's what me i thought i'm like oh my god they're stealing this from that they the awesome cinematic trailer for the force awakens part two and i'm no no sorry the the force unleashed force unleashed part two sorry the, the video mm -hmm. game with star killer that i talked about earlier so i'm just like that's so cool he does the twirl with the lightsaber the obi-wan twirl i'm like yes that's that's great that that's all great i enjoyed that very much the 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 uh chase through the underground tunnel it's very similar to to star wars and and other Scenes like that, maybe also in the Force Awakens, um, but 
again, there's they're they're really holding off. Not only they they showed the confrontation, the lightsaber confrontation already between Vader and 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 uh, Obi Wan, but they've mm-hmm. yet to have the the confrontation between Riva and Obi Wan. I don't even know if they. I can't. I don't think they even met face. No, they they met face to face in this episode, right? Because she confronted. They them. did when she came out. Yeah, didn't she? But she kind of directs a lot of it at like kind of. It's Tala who's responding. Yeah. It's uh it's like John Boyega's Finn character confronting everyone from the first order where they all just yell, Traitor! Traitor! Yeah. <laughs> Same thing. She's like she's like traitor like that. That's more important. I'm now I do have a blood feud with you, but I'm gonna get to this traitor business first and then mm. sort of start having start having a go. I mean what what leads up to there is it, I mean it's a frankly quite comical escape. It's the kind of thing that again I might have thought of, or even sort of like sort of Monty Python-esque, where she gives um, Obi-Wan and Leia a big trench coat and he ma- manages to hide behind like he's got three legs in some sort of two Ronnies sketch. I don't know if you got the two Ronnies in Canada. I hope to God you did. You probably got Benny Hill instead. Obviously. We got Benny Hill. We got Benny Hill. Yeah. Um, yeah, This that's, again, this is kind of ridiculous. It's like, how do you go around an Imperial? Like, how do you go around the base of the Inquisitors, the, the personal, you know, like mm-hmm. task force of Darth Vader and the Emperor. Like it'd be one thing if it was like some fucking outpost on some ass backwards like fucking planet in the middle of fucking nowhere in the outer rim. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is like this is this this planet's in the same system as Mustafar. <laughs> you know, there's, they say that. <laughs> there's two of them there. And they're just like, all right, uh, you know, looking very grumpy as they walk past in the background. Now, you would like to think, okay, if you're one of the brothers or sisters, if you're one of the Inquisitors, you're force. If you are force sensitive, I think you've bluffed your way into the job at that point. If you couldn't pick up on Obi Wan fucking Kenobi walking behind you, but anyway, I, I digress. They don't really, they don't have a lot in this. This is like the, you know, one of the few times where they're kind of like featured in this episode as well. I mean, it looks like they're going to get away with it and they're going to sort of run through. Until Reaver and the army of stormtroopers stop them for that. Um, then they're sort of questioning, you know, Tala, who says, like, you know, whose side is she on? She's, you know, I can't remember exactly what she says, but she says she's never been on their side. So it's going to be death. This is never and who I was. This is never who, who I, I was. was. I think it's a That's great line. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Which kind of is something that you think in other series, that's something you could definitely play up is the idea of people who are kind of, you know, I'm not expecting them to go all cinema verite on this and produce some sort of like dark night of people who are forced to join the empire. But I think that's always an interesting dynamic you can play is when, when people leave. Um, and it does look completely hopeless until Wade and Sully appear um, in their, in a couple of craft. You thought they weren't going to do it. Um, start shooting up the place to destroying loads of the stormtroopers um manage to to sort of land open up everyone jumps in you're thinking this is looks great where are the tie fighters at this point which is i know as you mentioned earlier on uh, on as well you think they're they're gonna get away but um no poor wade um instead they throw uh what is some sort of tracking missile but in box form it explodes and he dies and goes straight into the water underneath, which gives it that that feeling of melancholy. And it's only a downer on the mood, which is not for me. I didn't I didn't give a shit about Wade. 
is like. Oh, I didn't. Do you know who he reminded me of? He reminded me of that young lad from the first Matrix film. And I didn't care when he died. And I felt exactly the same way here. I was like, oh, he seems like kind of going to be vaguely annoying if he hangs around. So he's like, the mouse. Yeah, get rid. Mouse? mouse. The, yeah. 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 The guy who, pl- the actor who plays uh, the death stick dealer in uh, Attack of the Clones. Yeah, he does, Australian actor. I think it was also in Home and Away, but I'm assuming he never got Neighbours or Home and Away. No, no. Oh, I, 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 the world of no, Australian soaps, mate. Neighbours is ending, right? Like Guy Pearce is, is coming back. Maybe you Jake. being part of the Commonwealth, I'm shocked and appalled that you've never had you've never had a chance to kind of experience Neighbours. It's probably a bit late to go back now. You'd have to go back to like the early we, 80s. We got Coronation Street in Canada <laughs> And please was, tell me that your parents watched Coronation Street at some point. No, no, it just like I would flip channels on Sundays, and then you'd see Coronation Street. What's this? Oh, it's British people <laughs> doing a soap. Okay, well, yeah. I have no, I'm sorry, I'm not. And EastEnders, we also got EastEnders. I don't think we ever got Neighbors. So Australia, gonna, Australia did not make the kind of worms here with you having watched EastEnders. I feel like you should be made to watch some random Christmas episodes of British soaps now. I feel I know enough about EastEnders and and Cor- Coronation Street as well through uh, Joe Lemon on uh, oh. you know, when he was talking about all that watching all oh. that stuff. You'll be very excited to know the show that he loves, arguably up there with EastEnders, is uh, the Bill, which was like a half an hour show about the police. Um, a police called Sun Hill that's making a comeback as well, and that's something that should make a comeback. Like, British soaps are weird for those not from the UK, haven't seen them, they're quite grimy. If you're like thinking this is gonna be like Bold and the Beautiful or something like Falcon's Crest, like, oh no, 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 it's uh, there's nothing glamorous about these people, and particularly East Enders Christmas Day specials where historically it gets bad and it gets bleak. And it's like a it's like the TV equivalent of a Mike Lee film. Is what, is that what you're telling it me? It is. Yeah. It's just like the idea. Yeah, it is. It's very much like a Mike Lee film. It's like a Ken Loach film at points as well, which you're wondering why at one point in time it drew 30 million people to watch it. It's an incredible thing. I think I think there's something to be said about the British psyche that it's like we, we want, we just want to watch grimy, depressing yeah. shit. It really does say a lot. It says a lot about the state of the nation, as certainly as it is today. Well, that's like um, the height. Wasn't the height like during the eighties, the Thatcher years? Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. It was. It was great art. Don't get me wrong, but it was bloody miserable times. I mean, which is, you know, how you end up with the Smiths. Don't I, you by the, by the way, I I on a tangent here. Um, I remember saying to a friend once, I was like, you know, you know, Reagan, Thatcher, being the leaders of their respective countries. Horrible, terrible, terrible times. But man, did it produce some amazing fucking music. Honestly, Boris and fucking the stupid person before him and then fucking Trump. Where's my great music coming out of that? Yeah. I, I'm still waiting for it. Like, it's still all this like auto-tune shit. And I'm like, where where are all the great bands that were inspired to like write political music protesting the state of their country? Yeah, I'm still waiting. Yeah. I'm still waiting for my the next REM U2. We ain't getting <laughs> you know? it. Man. It's sad. It is sad. And I don't think we're getting it. And it's it, it's absolutely, you know, shocking in that. Where's the new Springsteen? I, we're not going to get the new Springsteen, no. unfortunately. So Exactly. That was meant to be the trade-off when we had particularly sort of like oh. shitty right-wing governments. Um, someone, probably well. will, someone probably will say, oh, what about John Mayer? I'm like, fuck off, John Mayer. <laughs> 
get the fuck out of here. Well, someone else here who's uh, who's kind of struggling with the times is Reva after this because Vader goes in there in proper Vader Kenobi Part Three form. He hasn't let down the mood or tempo. He's straight up there with a brutal force joke um, in order to punish her. And then she says that she's let them go on purpose and that she's tracking them in order to find out where the path's base is, which can lead down to tracking down the overall enemy as well as Obi-Wan. Vader is impressed, lets her go, but he says that this is her last chance on there. And he likes this idea because he then uses it himself in episode four with the Millennium Falcon. Yep. So yeah, it is. And then we see what how how are they being tracked as well. Well, as Obi Wan and Leia sort of believe that they're heading off to safety, and there's a really nice moment but, um, between them as as well on there, which is kind of very much sort of like playing up, like it, it feels like he's very much more like the kind of surrogate father. He's done more than um, Bail Organa ever did, anyway. Well, in fairness, he's paid for the house, isn't he? Obi-Wan. Uh, like, that's not fair. I, I think it's, turning up, it, taking you on a great adventure, but it's like this man ain't, isn't going to regularly kind of look after it, you, is he? No, I I think that's unfair because I think it's very well established <laughs> that Bail Organa is actually a very good father to Leia, like providing her with a, with a great life, but also like trying to mold her into being a good person to like become a, you know, a senator so she can fight for the people illegally in the emperor while he helps form the rep what will become the rebel alliance with mon mothma and, and other people right. makes it sound like he's sort of he's like Sinn fein in many ways which is an incredibly controversial thing to throw in an ira reference at this time into this oh god i could pay for that one um but yeah it, it's it is um, sort of like a really a really nice moment. I feel bad now. I feel I'm slagging off Jimmy Smith, someone I've always had a little bit a bit of a soft spot for. However, we find out that what has been compromised at the end of it is Lola, Leia's droid, and you know as it goes very how, and we have what is uh, robots and red lights, never a good thing, you know, on here, and it's and there we have it, a very short like thirty five minute episode. As as we as we said this week, robots and red lights. That's kind of like the premise of Westworld, isn't it? Robots you know in a red is? light, robots in a red light district, kind of thing. Yeah, fourth fourth series of that is coming back. I'm assuming it should really kind of end at this point. You need to have an end game. That last series was a mess. I, I've never watched Westworld. Just never found the time to do it. So some great moments but not on the level and not probably what HBO, what HBO are actually paying for all along. And it's, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's the Nolan lads. When they think too much, somebody needs to go, look, guys, stop it. Looking at you, tenant. Um, which convinced me I was deaf afterwards. I went, I didn't hear a word of dialogue. I feel like, you know, but yeah, what did you think of the ending to this? Again, it, it, I just thought kind of lazy writing. <laughs> it's just the same. It's the same plot device they used in A New Hope, and and you know you can make it. You know, I can I, I can see people defending and saying, well, but that's all this whole series is like. It's like it's showing these Easter eggs and using them as plot devices, and da 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 da. Um, I just I just think you could have got the same the same effect in a better way, mm -hmm. but. Um, 
Yeah, I, I, I think this is the weakest episode of the series so far. I, I didn't hate it per se, but some of the, some of the kind of like logic holes are pretty massive. Like they're, they're star destroyer sized. Mm. Like how the, 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 the airspeeders that we see in, um, in Empire Strikes Back on Hoth used by the rebels, they, they're, they're the vehicles that rescue Obi Wan, Tala, and Leia. It's like, but they're two seaters. How do they all, how do they all fit in one with Did along one with the pilot? Tonight. It, that doesn't again doesn't it, it's weird it's you, you can't say like oh uh, how weren't they detected it's yeah like the whole idea thing. of it like at some point there would have been some kind of like who's land who are these guys we'll just let them fly about um i mean i have to say there was a part of me i didn't i, I probably didn't I thought it was kind of fine for what it was because I kind of almost viewed this as very sort of reminiscent of The Mandalorian and in terms of a self-enclosed episode, which has like a kind of a, a clear beginning, middle end, but obviously then has the kind of trailing point going into the next episode. So, but they crammed a lot of stuff in like for this, like this entire mission in this time. And I think you, you kind of hit the nail on the head, as you said earlier on about this kind of parallels to like that's clearly what they're doing on here is trying to kind of emulate like almost those those first six episodes of the of the star star wars series i enjoyed it for what it was at the time when i watched it a second time round, i found it to be like another sort of generally very easy watch because it kept things at a at kind of a good pace as well like you say there's those little you know plot holes and I'm just curious as to as to where they go next with this. Mm. And you've got me thinking all Empire Strikes Back now. Uh, yeah, I, I I I gotta think they're gonna make some kind of reference again to Quinlan Voss. Like to me, it's like yeah. dropping the the name Quinlan Voss, the reference to Quinlan Voss, and not paying off on that. That to me is kind of egregious. Like if it's one thing, okay, you're not gonna have him show up or or you know cameo or something in this because that's who i thought was going to show up was quinlan voss to rescue them not fucking wade and sully you know that's kind of it's kind of a wet fart it's kind of like the yeah. g1 g1 announcements kind of like a wet fart you you think you think this person is going to show up but no it's going to be bad luck fucking folly oh god oh, it's like <laughs> oh how how are we going to get this i don't know um akada shingo match in the final I know what we're going to do. We're going to have Goto win up and a slip up, you know, sort of pin on here. And you go, well, that's not really, I'm actually, I'm doing Goto a disservice. Yujiro or Chase yeah. Owens. Yeah. It's like that, having them losing that and you go, well, that's kind of ruined a lot of stuff. That's rubbish. Um, do you have a rec comics book recommendation for this? Uh, I don't know if there's yeah. anything else you wanted to discuss from the episode. No, not really. Again, like I think we're going to get to, episode five next week yeah. and, and that's the penultimate usually penultimate episodes are great yeah they they tend sometimes to be better than the finale uh so i'm very much looking forward to episode five and see mm. where where they go from here um hopefully they don't uh they don't uh fuck up the landing here they hopefully they stick the landing it, it does i do i do want to make one more point is that they i do think there's something to be said about the to having like John Favreau and Dave Filoni directly involved in a show because I don't think you would have an episode like this if either of them were overseeing it. And, and it's kind of a, a worry that maybe, you know, like Dave Filoni is going to do is going to oversee the Ahsoka TV show. I'm not worried about that, but what I am worried is that like, maybe he's not going to be um, 
helping Favreau as much as he did on the previous episodes of Mandalorian. Because mm-hmm. I, I don't know what the, the production schedule is like for Ahsoka and for the Mandalorian season three, if there's any overlap and like Filoni may not be as available to, to, to help produce the show with Favreau. Because I think those two as a team is great because they have obviously produced at least two episode two seasons of the of great television in the mandalorian i don't really blame them for the book of boba fett that because that's more rob rodriguez's baby mm. and they're just kind of overseeing it to to six extent, but they're busy doing other things so i think we're we're seeing these cracks in the star wars machine as far as the tv shows go if like if favreau and filoni aren't directly involved in the project or really being hands-on with it with the with the people that they have brought on board to kind of steer the ship, but they're still like, you know, the, they're the cat, like Chow is captain of this. Rodriguez is the mm. captain of, of the, of the, of Boba Fett, but Filoni and, and Favreau are the admirals, you know, the rear admirals of the fleet. They're still there to, you know, kind of oversee everything. I'm, I'm a big fan of if you've got like, say particular directors, particular showrunners that you let them have their kind of what would be their style and their visual motif if they're taking over a series. And I'm kind of fine with that, but you do need that overseeing hand about saying how are we fitting this into everything else? How are we working that in there? That's like the kind of stuff for me that, that you kind of need to do. I mean, it's a perfectly, for me, I found this to be a perfectly sort of fun piece of TV, but it is the kind of thing where you end up, you don't want to have these nagging doubts going into the last couple of episodes where there's stuff that doesn't work and it feels like they're cramming in plot unnecessarily. Because I think the, the horrible side of this is when we saw this with Game of Thrones. Like, I'm sorry, I always come back to like where a show goes wrong, where it starts to jam pack full of events and how characters get from A to B don't sit right and they're there because you need to get them there because the plot tells you they have to be in this place. And it's like, that's not the way that you do this. You need to be quite careful when you're structuring these. And also as well, just to see, you know, Filoni managed to create this fantastic world, like particularly with, um, you know, uh, with the Clone Wars and Rebels as well. And you want to see some of that in live action. It sort of deserves to be seen by like an audience that isn't going to go back and watch those animated series. So you'd hope that the Quinlan Voss uh, thing isn't just a, a sort of just there as an Easter egg, you know, mm. to be something a bit more substantial than that. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see if yeah. they stick the landing. We got two more episodes of this. Oh. So yes. <laughs> For comic have, type, yes, yeah, I, comic I book have, recommendation. It's a comic book, so I'm going to recommend a, a comic book called Star Wars Obi Wan and Anakin. It's uh, it's part of their you know part of their adventures together as Master and Padawan. Uh, I think just before the start, uh, start set before the start of the the Clone Wars. I'm just trying to get the uh, hold on. Let me try to find out who the creators are again. I think uh, I'm trying to remember the writer. I know who the artist is. I just want to get the name of the uh, Charles Sewell, who's actually a really good writer. He's written a lot of uh, Marvel comics, uh, great run on uh, on the on, on on Daredevil, and also he's gonna he did a She-Hulk series, which is funny because he's a lawyer himself in real life, so he tends to get all the lawyer characters in comic books. But uh, he he also has written tons of comic books for star wars this included and uh it's very fun it's drawn by uh mark chichetto who's a great great artist and uh, it's a very fun story of like obi-wan anakin uh having adventures while it when when they were still like brothers with one another good old days yes uh you see 
Yeah. All, all gone very south in this. Now these two lads are torturing each other. Yeah, I think they make reference. I think this adventure is referenced in a conversation they have at the beginning of Attack of the Clones in an elevator or something like that. Maybe. Okay. So yeah. I can't remember exactly remember. But it's a fun story, irregardless of that. Excellent. Well, in that case, thank you very much, WH. Um, we will be speaking to you next week. Obviously, yes. we're going to yes. get into part of the penultimate episode of the series on there as well. Um, where can the good fight find you and the rest of your work? Yeah, so once again, MCU Later is up and running. We're covering me and Way are covering uh, Miss Marvel on Disney Plus. Uh, we're also I have an episode of the Long and Winding Royal Road coming out with John Pollock. We're covering June 9th, nineteen ninety five, which is the famous tag match between. Mitsuharu Masawa and Kenna Kobashi taking on Toshiaki Kawada and Akira Tawe for the All Japan World Tag Team titles. And many consider this to be one of the, the greatest matches, if not the greatest tag match of all time. And I can tell you, for, for, for my taste at least, it's better than any fucking nonsense involving the Young Bucks. Holy Demon Army, greater than the Young Bucks. I, I, that's- this is the Kobashi's greatest sell job ever kind yes. of moment and miss yes. our work. that's an it's if you haven't seen it it's it's yeah watch it first and then we have a link in the description when it goes out but yeah. then 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 listen to that i i i wax very poetically about my love for this match and and john uh being john pollock he's got so many great insights himself and and we have a we have a blast talking with one another about this particular this particular match so please please watch the match first it's easily available to find on youtube oh yeah and then please come out and uh, listen to it when it's available sometime uh, on, uh, you know, on, on a Saturday next week. So uh, anything else? Uh, Post Perez will come back in about two weeks. I, I have a lot of thoughts. I'm, I'm just hoping the shit show that's happening in Japanese for wrestling continues. So I have a lot of material <laughs> to talk about. So oh. I might, might have an offer for you at the end of this one in that case. Um, yeah, this is in terms of myself. You can find me on Grapple. We're going to be back tomorrow. Um, uh, spotlight covering the shit shows that are also going on in AEW at the moment as well. Um, also, we had the Karen Peterson show come out. Um, if you haven't had a chance to listen to that as well, great show. We, we, it was oh, it's fantastic, as you know. Speaking to Karen, who hopefully we'll try and get on to, uh, if not next week maybe the the week after for the finale as well because i know she's been keeping up with um with obi-wan kenobi and miss marvel as well yes as she should be of course and everything else going on in the world of joshi and, and puro um so yeah you could you can find that you can obviously patreon.com forward slash grapple and you can find me on twitter at jp jippy three e's yeah at so. wh park nine the number nine uh, I think I probably lost a lot of uh, followers because of uh, my tweets this morning. No, I gained some, but I, usually I feel I gain some and then I lose some. How dare you? Good. How dare you say that about Jay White? <laughs> how dare you? How dare you say Chase Owens doesn't belong in the G1? <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly how it should be. And on that note, bye there. Goodbye. <laughs>